Second Corinthians 12, 7-10. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Great. You ever had a day when things are going absolutely wonderful? You feel wonderful. You feel like maybe you look wonderful. You're doing really good, and then the bottom falls out. I had such, well, I've had many days like that, but one such, I had actually uh, was the speaker at a ladies' retreat, and I had preached on Friday night, three times Saturday, and now the culmination is hitting Sunday. And it was, it had been a wonderful weekend. The ladies were wonderful. They loved what God had given me to share. They loved the comedy. They loved the illusions. I was feeling pretty good. And I'm up on stage in front of about 300 ladies. And the woman who books me comes sneaking up, and she whispered in my ear, you have toilet paper hanging out of the bottom of your dress. (laughs) Yeah, that's a reality check. Thank you, Lord. Okay. And that's kind of what we see in the scripture before us. Because, you see, 14 years prior, Paul had actually been taken to heaven. He got to see how amazing heaven was. And it was so unspeakably wonderful and beautiful. He could not speak the words. But now... And you can imagine what today would be like. That Well, you've seen it today. People that have been to heaven and all of a sudden they're on talk shows and they've written books and movies are written about them and they are very popular. And then, yeah, they begin to think that they're like all that in a bag of Cheetos too. Well, that's what Paul didn't want and that's what God did not want. God says, you know, in order to keep you from being conceited, I have given you a thorn in the flesh from Satan, a messenger from Satan. A messenger from Satan causing him trouble, paining him, hurting him every day. And you know, some scholars, they've tried to figure out what it was. Many have actually said, well, maybe it's a demon that's hassling Paul. And others have said, well, maybe it's a person that talks behind his back and is putting him down. Some believe it was a physical problem, maybe an eye disease that caused his eyes to weep. Because Galatians 4.15 says they wanted to actually give them their own eyes. Also, Galatians 6.11 says that he wrote in very large letters. History tell us that his eyes oozed. He was an eyesore. I will tell you my thoughts on that. I know what it was. It came from Satan, straight from the pit of hell. It had to be hot flashes. (laughs) After 22 years of hot flashes, I would change places with any man and shave my ears. But actually, you know, we did not know what the problem was bugging him. It's a, it was a thorn in his flesh just like we have a thorn in our flesh. And you know what? We get to fill in the blanks. Because it's different from every one of us. Every one of us have a different thorn, something that we have 
begged God to take away, and for some reason it's still there. We do know the Greek word that he uses, thorn, is actually an 18-inch tent stake. This is the same word used in Judges 4, where Jael, actually uh, Sisera, who was a commander of the army against the Jews, he, uh, the, the Jews had totally defeated them, but he escaped, and he ran to the tent of Jael. Now, she got him to lay down and go to sleep, and she took a tent stake, and she hammered him to the ground right through the temple. Now, that would have been a real headache. That's a split. But the Bedouins, which they were, do you know they're still in Israel today, and they still live as nomads as they did 4,000 years ago? The thing is, they probably all have satellite dishes on their tents now. I'm sure that's a possible. The women, get this, they did all the moving. They packed everything. They took down the tents. All the man had to do is come in that morning and say, hey, honey, I feel like moving down the road. Yeah. So they had to pack up everything, move everything. So they knew how to use those 18-inch tent spikes that they're talking about. That's the same tent spike. That is the thorn in Paul's side. So it wasn't just a little tiny ouch. But why did God allow this pain, this thorn, to Paul? Why does he allow it for you and me? You know, it's a situation that no matter what we do, it can't seem to go away. I have prayed over mine. I have claimed victory over it, and it remains. The prickly problem we, stand, we struggle with stays there continually. The question is, why, Lord? Why does it persist? Why does it keep poking me? Why does it remain? We've all asked that question. You know, Paul says in verse 8 and 9, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And then in verse 10, Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul says, okay, I know why I have this problem. Let it be, Lord, if it brings me closer to you. I want us to look at three reasons why we possibly have prickly problems in our lives why God has allowed him. One is prickly problems produce protection. They produce protection from ourselves. God says, Paul, I know you. I know that you are going to become very full of yourself very quickly, so I have given this to you. I don't want you to be proud or haughty. I want you humble. You know, there's a story told about a coach. His name was Speedy Morris. By the way, he was called Speedy because he used to be the slowest kid in the neighborhood. But at this time, he was a famous basketball coach He for LaSalle University. He was having a great season. They were winning. He was getting national fame. People were recognizing the name of Speedy Morris. And one morning, he's up in the bathroom, and he's shaving, and his wife came running up there, and she said, Honey, Sports Illustrated is on the phone for you. So he tries to quickly shave. He cuts himself. He wipes the cream off. He's bleeding. He's running down the stairs. He trips, he falls, he picks himself up. He gets to the phone, he goes, Hi, this is Coach Speedy Morris. And she said, Hi, this is um, 
Sports Illustrated, did you know for 75 cents you can get Sports Illustrated for a year? <laughs> now that bursts your bubble. He's bleeding. He's thinking, gay, cover story, and uh, no. See, what happens is so many times when we are um, doing so well and things are coming our way, we tend to say, it's us. We're doing this by ourselves. This is something we have done. And God says, you know what? Pride goes before the fall. If blessings have come our way, we have the tendency towards pride. He protects us from being so full of ourselves. You know, you wake up thinking, I am good looking, and you wake up and you got a zit right there. Actually, the prophet Hosea, who was married to his wife, Gomer, well, I'm glad it was his wife, Gomer, but she was a prostitute. In chapter 2, if you haven't read Hosea, go read it. Chapter 2, it says he made a hedge of thorns to keep her from doing the things that would destroy her. He thought, I am going to make a hedge of thorns, something to keep her from her passion. Do you know Redwood, Red Book Magazine says every minute of every day we buy 1,484 tubes of lipstick. We buy 913 nail polish. 1,324 mascaras, 2,050 jars of skincare products. It's $1,500,000 is spent every minute of every day to be beautiful. Now, nothing against makeup. Any of you heard of J. Vernon McGee? J. Vernon McGee has this wonderful southern accent, and he does through the Bible. Even though he died in 1988, you can still hear him every day. I've listened to him. He has a wonderful southern accent, and his way of saying about makeup was, you know what, if the barn needs painting, paint it. <laughs> but we spend a ton to be beautiful. And not just women, it's men too. We are plagued, however, by promiscuity. That wouldn't happen if our eyes were oozing and we had zits, right? No temptations would probably be coming our way. If we all got what we wanted, God knows we would be tempted beyond our capability. We would be proud, and we would be destined to fall. The Lord knows our vulnerabilities. He knows our weaknesses. So he allows some thorns in our lives. Two, prickly problems push us to prayer. Paul said, I have prayed three times. I personally have noticed, you know, when things are going really, really good, our prayer life gets pretty, pretty lazy. You know, it's like, oh, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the things you've done for us. But we get lazy. But I tell you what, when, you get, when things are desperate, your prayers get desperate. When your life is falling apart, when you get that diagnosis, when your spouse has left, when your job is lost, when your money is gone, when your children are in trouble, when the doctor said your child was born missing part of his heart and he's dying. Believe me, your prayers get really serious, really fast. Your prayer life takes on new meaning. You hit your knees in the hallway about halfway down and you slide all the way into the bedroom screaming, Lord! Your prayer life gets really serious. You know, there's a true story of Lou Pinella, who was a baseball player and manager, before the final game of the National League playoff. He went into a Catholic church, which was not his normal practice. I guess he figured he needed as much help as he could get. 
The Reds and the Dodgers were playing. He looks across the aisle, and there's Tommy Lasorda, who is the manager of the Dodgers. Lou sat there for a few minutes, and he finally got up, and he went up, and he lit a candle up in front, and he left. A few minutes later, Tommy Lasorda went up and blew it out. In times of trouble, we go to prayer. It's interesting, you know, after 9-11, churches were filled, but unfortunately, we have very short memories. It takes problems to cause us to pray and stay on our knees. And when you're going through problems, even unspiritual people will ask for prayer or will pray. I've heard it said there's no atheist on a battlefield. I also say there's probably no atheist in an airport, especially when you're waiting for your luggage. But when we can't do anything for ourselves, we can't fix it, we can't make it better, we finally pray. We should reverse that order, by the way. You know, Jesus in the garden prayed three times. He said, God, take this away, but your will be done. He prayed until he had peace. God did not take away Paul's thorn, but he gave him revelation that he would have God's power because of the thorn, because he had to rely on him. So continue to pray until you're either healed, delivered, or you have peace. You see, God has the right to say no. No to our prayers are every much an answer as yes is to our prayers. I asked him to take away my pride. He said, no, it's yours to give up. I asked him to give me patience. God said, no, patience is a byproduct of tribulation. Excuse me. It is earned. I asked God to give me happiness. He said, no, I give blessings. Happiness is up to you. I asked God to spare me pain. He said, no, suffering draws you apart from the world and closer to me. I asked God if he loved me, and he said, yes, and if you know me, and I have control of your life, you will be with me in eternity. I asked God to help me love others as he does, and he said, yes, you're finally getting it. The truth is, many of the times, the things that we ask for are not in our best interest, and he has the right to say no. That thorn that pains you is protecting you, pushing you towards prayer, as you wouldn't in easy times. Number three, problems precede power. Verse 9, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfect in your weakness. Paul said, okay, I welcome it then. If you tap into God's power and his strength. And it's only, it seems to be, at least for me, only when I finally say, and there's nothing I can do about it. Lord, I give it up because I can't do anything. I can't fix this. I can't make it better. I always want to say, I can do this myself, don't we all? But there's always an obstacle that's too big and too powerful, and we can't do it ourselves. Have you ever had one of your children or grandchildren trying to do something that is just too hard for them, too big for them? They can't do it. There's a story of a father watching his little four-year-old out in the, out in the yard, and he's in a um, sandbox that he had. And someone had put a big boulder in the middle of the sandbox. 
And the little guy is out there, and he's running his cars, and he wants to move that boulder out of the way. And he's pushing, and he's pushing, and he hurt his little stubby fingers and started to cry, but it didn't move. And he sat down on his rear end, and he tried to shove it with his feet, and it wouldn't move. And he just did everything till tears are just pouring down. His dad finally goes out there, and he says, Dad, I can't move this. I can't move it. I can't. I can't. I've tried everything. And the father said, no, you haven't tried everything. And he looks at his dad and goes, what? And he said, you didn't ask me. That's the way God is with us. Our strength is limited, but God's is not limited. We have the stubby little fingers and the stubby little feet, and we push as hard as we can, and things just don't move. And God says, call on me. I'm here. When we get to the end of our rope, he is there. He is the knot that's holding on. The Lord says, call on me and I will help you. All of us have seen handicapped people that have done incredible things with their lives. You know, Johnny Erickson Tata, I'm sure you all know who she is, who's just done amazing things after being paralyzed from the neck down. There is a, an Australian man by the name of Nick Fujisi. Um, he, has no, he was born with no arms and no legs. And yet, he is the number one public speaker in the world for encouraging people. It doesn't matter what our weaknesses are. God can use us. He's got great plans for you. The stronger he is in our weakness, how amazing is that? The strongest people are actually the ones that have absorbed the thorns and have gone on anyway and come to peace with it and have said, Lord, it's up to you. I can't do it in my own. Lord, if you allow it, you protect me from sin and pride. You push me to talk to you, and it has me depend on you all the time to receive your power. I will accept it. Okay, theologically, we all get it, don't we? Theologically, we understand it. But it's not easy, is it? How many of us, I mean, you might be, I don't know what your problem is, God does. But you're sitting there saying, you don't know what I'm going through. But God does. Whatever your thorn is, though, look to Jesus. You know, we just came through Easter, and actually, probably the smallest part of what you see with the crucifixion is the crown of thorns put on his head. Do you know those thorns? We saw them when they're in Israel. They're about this long. And they pounded that into his head. He took the thorns. So when he says a crown of thorns and a thorn in his body, he knew what that was. Why? You see, the first Adam sinned, the Adam in the garden, who represents me and you. We sinned. I call him the Adam bomb. And when he did that, the world was cursed. Every man and woman will be stuck in some way. You see, when things, bad things happen, people go, why did God do this to me? You have to understand, it is not God doing that to you any more than you would do that to somebody you loved or a child right? Adam did that to us. The whole world was struck when he sinned in the Garden of Eden, and every one of us have thorns because of it. 1 Corinthians 15.45 calls Jesus the last Adam, the Son of Man. He took the thorns physically, literally, so we didn't have to. Adam caused the problems in all of us to be plagued. And you know, it's funny, our tendency is sometimes to say, well, my thorn is a whole lot worse than their thorn is. But we're all plagued in one way or another, and God is not picking on you. 
You are not singled out. Every person is plagued. Paul was blessed and plagued. Others are less blessed and less plagued. If you look at the crown of thorns, the first Adam representing me that brought about these problems, but Jesus, the last Adam, took the thorns so we didn't have to. The thorns piercing his brow so Jesus really can relate to me when I have thorns in my side, the thorn in my flesh. He's the only one that can actually feel our pain. It's interesting, you know, politicians in Hollywood have all said, oh, we're all in this together. Yeah, right, you and your mansions. No, you don't quite get it. But Jesus really understands. He's a compassionate savior. Savior. Boy, I just washed my tongue and I can't do anything with it. He was tempted on all points, relationally, physically, and emotionally. So whatever your thorn is, Jesus says, I understand. I truly understand. Remember Pastor John last week was preaching about how Jesus is with us in our troubles, in our thorns. He will never leave us and forsake us. As a matter of fact, he said that three different places. He said it in Deuteronomy 31.6, Joshua 1.5, and I just forgot the last. Oh, Hebrews 13.5. He said that, that I will never leave you and forsake you. Jesus took the thorn, symbolic of Adam's curse absorbing our, our sin. The time is coming when every tear will be wiped away. Jesus absorbed that curse, and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't pull it out if I put it there. Protection, prayer, preceding strength in you. You know, hear this. A thorn can be a great blessing in life, to be honest. Do you know in the 1800s when cotton was king of the South, it was the crop that everybody was growing, and they made all of their fortunes off of that. But a little boll weevil came and wiped out all of the cotton plantations. And a little group in Coffee County, Alabama, town by the name of Enterprise, they met together and they prayed. They said, we thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us with so many years from, for cot from cotton. Now it's gone, but we know all things work together for good. So we're going to trust you. Following that prayer meeting of Enterprise Alabama, they decided to change their crops from cotton to peanuts. Now, peanuts were not really known back then. And there was a man known of intelligence, exceptional intelligence, one of the great thinkers of our country's history. And his name was George Washington Carver. He was also a Christian man. And the same time that Enterprise was praying to plant peanuts, he felt a calling from the Lord. But he was very interested in astronomy. And he said, Lord, teach me all about the universe. And then he hung his head and said, well, I guess that's probably a little presumptuous, but teach me about peanuts. The Lord answered his prayer. And beginning in 1895, Carver, Carver developed 300 products made from peanuts. Of course, we all know the best one, peanut butter. But because of his discoveries, suddenly there was an unexpected and unprecedented demand for peanuts. Coffee County began to prosper beyond their belief. What had been a disaster became a blessing. What had begun, begun as adversity became prosperity. And instead of sitting around in thorns in a sticky situation, they asked God for help and they glorified him. 
Sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to say, you know, Lord, look at your history. God, you've always come through. I know you're going to come through now. If you go to Enterprise today, there is actually a monument in Town Square with a boll weevil on top. I don't know what a boll weevil looks like, but I'd like to see that. The monument has an inscription on it that says, this monument is erected by the grateful citizens of Coffee County, Alabama, in profound appreciation for the boll weevil and what he has done to herald prosperity. All things work together for good, Romans 8.28. We can be dethorned by giving God the glory. Remember what he's done for you in the past. You know, he has not helped a gazillion people all the way through history and then come to you and go, I just don't know what to do about your problem. doesn't work like that. May God grant you the wisdom and grace to follow in Paul's footsteps, to pray as much as necessary that you would either be delivered or receive peace that only he can give. Either way, you'll win. May we say, I accept this, since you wore the crown of thorns in my place. I know that God only means good for us. I trust you, Lord, totally.